The Lord be with you. And with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. The people had gathered in their thousands so that they were treading on one another. And Jesus began to speak, first of all to his disciples. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, that is, their hypocrisy. Everything that is now covered will be uncovered, and everything now hidden will be made clear. For this reason, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and whatever you have whispered in hidden places will be proclaimed on the housetops. To you, my friends, I say, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. I will tell you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Can you buy five sparrows for two pennies? And yet not one is forgotten in God's sight. Why, every hair on your head has been counted. There is no need to be afraid. You are worth more than hundreds of sparrows. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We've moved on from the book of Galatians, and now we're into Ephesians. And Ephesians has this beautiful mystical vision of the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ, we as members of that body. And also Christ as sort of filling and permeating all of creation. Somewhere in Ephesians, Paul, or the author, says, who can, who can ascend except him who has descended? You know, it's only the eternal Son of God who has come down from the highest heavens and touched the very base of creation. And then he sort of rises again, like a yeast, to, to sort of pervade everything. There's nowhere that the resurrected Jesus is not. He's in the fibers of that wood. He's in the, the garment. He's in the air. He's, he's everywhere. And, and therefore, he is attentive to us everywhere. Even our innermost thoughts that are whispered, and we can't hear them. He hears them shouted. He's, he's so, so close to us. This is the beautiful image of Paul. And I think if this image is not part of our Christology, part of our understanding of how Christ comes to me, how Christ gathers us, then we're lacking something. We're, we're stunting the possibility of our relationship with this beautiful, ever-present Lord of ours. I want to say one small thing, and it sort of relates to the gospel, but it was picked up in the psalm there as well. You think to yourself, remember in Isaiah, that reading where it says, how can the clay say to the potter, hey, shape me this way, <laughs> you know, do, do this to me. The clay doesn't have that privilege. The clay is shaped by the will and the design of the potter. The potter is the one who has the vision and the power. And so we don't tell God what to do with us. We might pray, but, but, but still we're submitting ourselves to God's will. But something dramatic happens when Jesus, who is God, enters into creation. Because what he says, to, to give the message of Ephesians in a different analogy, is it's almost like Jesus comes to us like a wetened clay. And he says, come to me, be melded into me, into my person. Be regrafted, and then we will be together as one body, reconfigured, refashioned in the hands of the Father in whose name I've come, in, in whose person I've come. Jesus is simultaneously clay and potter so that we can be hastened back into 
perfect relationship with the Heavenly Father. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Lastly, we hear about inheritance. I sometimes fear that my breaking up in the word is a little too, a little too spiritual. It's not very, <laughs> not very practical for everyday life. But, but this stuff runs through everyday life, doesn't it? I thought to myself, what is it that the Christian life aims towards ultimately? And we might say it's a kind of inheritance. So what do we want to inherit, you know? A whole lot of peace, that'd be good. Or a whole lot of treasure, whatever exactly qualifies as treasure, that'd be okay, I suppose. But the, the wonderful thing about our faith, our Christianity, and the end point, is that in the end, and, and we're rushed to the end right now at the altar, we inherit God. That's our inheritance. You are my inheritance, O Lord. We, we receive God himself. There's nothing else we would need after that. But you want to know something funny? What does God inherit? Yes, us. As if God needs anything. No, he needs nothing. But he inherits us. Listen to again to this line in the psalm. And Libby got it. Ring out your joy to the Lord, O you just, for praise is fitting for loyal hearts. Give thanks to the Lord upon the harp, upon the ten-string lute, sing him songs. For the word of the Lord is faithful, all his works to be trusted. The Lord loves justice and right and fills the earth, permeates all of creation with his love, who is Jesus. They are happy, that's us and really every soul on the planet. They are happy whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his inheritance. Let's come. Let's inherit. Let's be inherited. Let's be melded into the wet clay of Christ.